This is Disabled Girls Who Lift. We are reclaiming what's rightfully ours one podcast at a time. It's Mary Beth, Chloe, and Marcia bringing you the thoughts and unpopular topics to get you out of that ableist comfort zone. Hello, hello. Welcome to episode 11 of Disabled Girls Who Lift. Thanks for joining us. We thank you for listening and following along. Today, we have a special guest and two of our hosts. My name is Marcia from South Florida. And my name is Mary Beth from California. Uh, This episode, we've got a fabulous guest joining us. She actually is in my area from San Jose. Actually found her in my backyard. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Kim Dickerl, she she owns a chiropractic practice with her husband, uh, works as a massage therapist, recently got her degree in dance and kinesiology from SJSU, which is again really close by. Um, she's got two fabulous boys, second and sixth graders, who play ice hockey, which is pretty cool. Um, but today we're looking at talking about her diagnosis with retinitis pigmentosa, as well as her um, diagnosis with lupus that involves RA um, and the issues with that. But she is also the fourth fittest standing adaptive woman in the world. The um, world, right? <laughs> <laughs> I am, it's big. I'm so happy that you're joining us today. Oh, Welcome, thank you so much. It's so exciting. I was just so blown away, honored when you guys asked. I was so excited. Yeah, we have to get a lifting session together. You're so close to me. I know. Yeah, that's pretty nuts. So what is it um, time-wise? I know driving is like a, a gag in California, right? No, we probably live five minutes, ten minutes away from each other. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> hey, I just found this out. Okay, all right, all right. We have to get uh, CrossFit and powerlifting together. Yes. Yep. <laughs> so I'm curious, Kim, if we could get started kind of talking about your fitness journey, I suppose. How does one become the fourth fittest standing adaptive woman in the world? Well, <laughs> it it truly has been a whirlwind of a year. Um, and I started CrossFit now coming up on three years ago. And how I started CrossFit is a story in itself, but it wasn't until this last year, uh, pretty much a year ago now, that my friend told me, oh, did you know that Wadapalooza has an adaptive division and you should look into it? And I was like, uh, uh okay. And I was so terrified even a year ago to even admit to anybody that I was blind. And I even had her help me email Wadapalooza asking if blind counted as adaptive. And when they got back to me and they said, oh, yes, you should definitely try um, for this next coming year. So now uh, yeah. for Wadapalooza. Um, but in the meanwhile, you should look into Wheelwad and their yeah. adaptive open. And I was, this is in January of 2019. And I was like, oh, okay. So I contacted Wheelwad and they said, yeah, the open starts in what, like three weeks. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm here I guess now. I, 
I guess I'm going to try this. And the open in itself was honestly the first, the 2019 open was the first truly RX open. I mean, I'd ever even tried. It was so humbling. It was so, I'd promised myself I wouldn't cry. There was lots of tears and I I did it. I mean, I, I qualified. I was so excited, obviously. And then you know, it's unreal when you qualify for something, it becomes this surreal, okay, I qualified and, you know, that competition in, in Canada, it'll come, but then it does come <laughs> and then you're like, holy crap, I am doing this and it was the most, that competition was the most unreal experience and I, I could go on forever about how even life-changing that is. And now since I've qualified for Wadapalooza where I'll compete next month. And then I qualified for the 2020 Wheelwad Games, which are going to be hosted by the Granite Games. So I have that and so much in between. So it's just been (laughs) mind-blowing. That's so exciting. And so that happened in last year, 2019? Yeah. And I'm until 2019 i would i would never say the word blind never like i was so i was still so insecure about i would tell people oh i'm visually impaired oh i can't see very well but the word blind never came out of my mouth and now with crossfit i i feel like i am so yeah i'm blind and look what i can do it's like it gives you so much pride in who you are and being good with yourself it's it's been incredible that's awesome (laughs) that's pretty awesome and have you been training at the same um crossfit gym this whole time because i know you started but last year's the first year you really competed and what changed was it the facility was it people around you what what made you actually decide Um, to go and be competitive yeah sorry it just cut off um well Okay, going back in time. So I was diagnosed with RP when I was five. So I was a kid, right? I mean, it was just part of who I was, who I, and like, I've realized a lot recently that when you're diagnosed with something that young, and it's not like you had a tragic accident and boom, you're blind and that's your life. But when you're told, when you can see Good. I mean, I could see goodish, what I thought was good <laughs> right. when I was a kid, right? Like you don't, you're not thinking like, wow, someday, what is my life going to be like? And um, so you're constantly in this state of loss. And I started learning Braille and cane travel and all those things when I was a, a child, but mentally learning about how to be a blind person is never is never taught to you it's never like well what is my life how am I going to feel when I can't see anything anymore like what's what is that going to be but regardless I started my parents put me in dance lessons and I always loved dancing it was you know my thing I loved being on stage I loved all of that and then I continued. I went to college. I became, I I was a dance major at San Jose State. I got my degree in dance and kinesiology because I loved how the body worked. And 
I loved it. I knew, though, that I would never be a professional, like go down to L.A. and try to make it dancer because I started realizing as I progressively lost my vision that I started avoiding situations instead of being brave enough to say, hey, I can't see. Can somebody help me? I started shying away from it because with dance, if you if I were to go to an audition and walk boldly up to someone and say, hey, I need to be in the front row to see the choreographer because I can't see very well, I would mm-hmm. get cut. I would get cut in that one second. And they would say, oh, it's because you're blonde and we wanted someone with brown hair. But no, it would be because I was a liability because I couldn't see very well. So I started becoming, and that is, I think, what had even made me start being more and more shy just in general about admitting to people that I couldn't see very well or that I needed help. So I started becoming more shy about it. And it wasn't until my very first CrossFit competition in San Jose at it was, um, this competition called Frankenwad at CrossFit San Jose. And I, I did it just because my friend asked, hey, do you want to do a partner competition? And I was like, oh, sure. Sounds good. And <laughs> um, I didn't I didn't go in there either saying like hey everybody I can't see I just (laughs) went in and I had my coach is there and I had my partner and they could be my voice you know to tell the judge before starting oh by the way she can't see but we got this handled don't worry about it and during that competition in between events you know perfect strangers started coming up to me saying oh we we just found out that you can't see and you're so amazing and you're so inspirational and then at the end of the whole thing my one of the judges cuz right before the the event was like burpee box overs and the judge asked me so you can can you see your box at all i'm like no don't worry about it right <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> don't worry i got it and when i and when I finished, and by the way, in that specific event, my partner, I came in first in that event. And when we finished, the judge even gave me a hug and said to me that uh, I was incredibly brave. And it just changed everything to me that like, wow, I can do something and admit that I cannot see and be applauded for it instead of, you know, banished for it. It just made me realize that though dance is totally and was the foundation of me even being able to do CrossFit, right? Because if I had walked in never doing anything before, I I wouldn't have been able to do CrossFit, but I had great body proprioception. I understand how the body is supposed to work. And it just, it, it is such a incredible change for me to be able to find something that I could be blind and do well and have people tell me encourage me to continue on instead of telling me oh you shouldn't do this and so in my mind that now now I'm like I'll sign up for anything because oh yeah (laughs) and I'm so happy I'm so happy that you have you found you know a sport that gave you that empowerment and I sure damn hope that you go back into dancing, you know, a little more empowered and 
show them who's boss because uh, I'm it retired. Doesn't matter. It's fine. <laughs> I've moved on. It's way more. You're way more being way more badass as a CrossFitter than as a ballerina. It's, <laughs> I I don't bend like a dancer anymore. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> and that I mean. And now I'm sure we'll go into the whole lupus thing. I mean, that's when my whole life really changed. And, you know, it's incredible how how your road, your road travels and how everything kind of leads to everything else. And so, yeah, now I'm here. <laughs> yeah. And it's pretty nuts that you, you know, you're well into your 30s. I mean, you lived your life with a certain mindset and a certain perspective, and now it's like totally, that's totally shattered. Like, you blew that up. Fuck that. Forget it. No, mm-hmm. I'm a badass now. Yeah. <laughs> like, and there is one experience at, at my gym, and um, they were redoing our gym, and they took the, they used to have mirrors on the walls, and they took the mirrors down, and somebody made a joke and said, like, oh, how am I supposed to work out if I can't see myself in the mirror? And, you know, and I just said, like, oh, welcome to my world. Ha ha, everyone's <laughs> laughing. And then after the workout, one of the ladies came up, and she said, I didn't, I just found out that you're blind, and you're incredible. And I thought, like, yeah, I am. Like, <laughs> you're right. I am. I am. And even being able to say, like, yes, I am blind. I cannot see. I can't see shit. Like this, and I can still do all the things that you people can do. And it just, it's very drives me forward. I mean, it makes me want to do more. And it's fun. I mean, for crime any sakes, it's so fun. <laughs> and do you feel like that's carried over into, you know, all the other parts of your life is that trickle into, you know, how you how you parent your kids or how you carry yourself at work or how you manage your business? Uh, definitely, because now I feel like I have confidence, which I I've never thought myself not to be confident. You know, I I love performing. I love talking to people, but I know I did lose a lot of confidence like or I don't know if it's self-esteem because I've never had a problem with who I am. It just, it just really opened myself up that, you know, with my kids, especially even not being blind set aside, just being active and a mother and having something that's not just doing dishes and laundry all day. It's something that my kids can say like, yeah, my mom, she can do pull-ups you know and (laughs) um but my you know there's always those things when you have a disability that you're always kind of looking for the why or the what's the meaning behind this and I I often think both of my boys just are incredible but like my seven-year-old he'll be my running guide at 6 30 a.m on a Tuesday morning and he'll run two miles with me at the gym sometimes and then come in and he'll guide me to my barbell and then bring me to my wall balls. And I think if I could see perfectly, I, I wouldn't have that with him. I wouldn't have that special bond and neither of my boys would have the true empathy that they do towards people. They are so aware of being um, empathetic before judgmental and that's amazing that's because they're with me (laughs) 
definitely you're definitely changing the minds of society already i mean throughout your whole life you've had to prove yourself otherwise and now people are coming up to you and saying shit well you're just like me yeah (laughs) that's that's the type of conversation we're trying to have out here yeah and even having those moments of okay like when I went to go get my passport so that I could go to Canada to compete in the wheel wad games the biggest adaptive competition in the world I walk in and the lady behind the desk like I was standing there and I don't know what happened but because obviously I didn't see it and then the lady turned and was like is she okay like I was crazy or something and I started you know, closing into myself and being, you know, starting to back away. And then I had to think, no, damn it. I am here at this passport place because I am awesome. And because I am blind, do not let her make you feel like crap. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, it just, it changes your having a little bit of uh, support can go a long way. A little bit of support. It changes, you know, your own mental capacity of yourself yeah definitely the way you carry yourself and see yourself in the world you know when you when you get to a certain point and you realize you're full of worth when you mm-hmm. go out into the world and you're not getting that back from somebody you know you're, you're like okay this isn't good enough this is unacceptable yeah you have to, you have to get there because if, if you're not there then you're just gonna you know you're gonna think this lady oh well, she's right oh maybe i should have noticed something or maybe, like no yes. just, no just not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, forget that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I totally get what you mean. It's it's absolutely not. Um, so you've mentioned that your son is helping you a lot in the gym. Is there anything that your gym has done to help you, or do you? I don't. I don't. I don't CrossFit. Do you have a coach, or do you just go there and you do the class that they do? How does that work? Um, that's actually the one thing I always few coaches have reached out to me about people that have come into the gym that are visually impaired. And my advice to them is always get that person in normal classes. My coaches never, I know when my husband told them, cause he had been crossfitting already for like four or five years at that time. And when he said, Oh, I'm bringing my wife and she's blind. I know they were terrified, right? Like what, yeah. what, if she, what can she even do? But I, went in the first day and I all these people were so supportive they were there for me they were there to help me they were getting my things and doing all this stuff and I I never did individual classes I've always just been part of the group and not only do I think that has been empowering for me but I also think it's been empowering for everybody in my gym in my community there I I do in some ways, I feel like it's this, I think if an outsider were to walk in and they would think like, who's that spoiled brat over there? Because I swear to goodness, I start when the workout or when we're setting up, you know, somebody wonderful will bring my barbell over and put it down. And then all of a sudden somebody else is, you know, bringing over my weights. And I, I don't even ask. They, the community is just it makes me feel wonderful. You know, everyone knows now kind of where I like to set up and mm-hmm. will help me put my box or whatever. And then when the workout is over, all of a sudden I'm standing there sweating, dying on the floor. And, <laughs> all, and all my equipment is being, you know, just 
put away. And I think, oh, all my little angels that come <laughs> and sweep everything up. Because no matter what, I'm not naive. The the gym is a dangerous place. I can I cannot safely walk across the gym independently. If I try, I'm creeping so slowly. I have to know that there is absolutely no barbells. I mean, two weeks ago, I ended up crying because I was mad, sad, because I'd had this great workout. Great. And I was at the rig and I thought like, I can do this. The clips go right over there. You can do it, Kim. And I pulled the clips off and I started creeping towards where I knew the clip bucket was. And bam, I freaking smashed my teeth on a barbell that I didn't know was still on the rig. And then it just crushes my soul more than anything. And, you know, I am aware of what I can do, but there is also a huge element of safety. And in some ways, I think being in a community is better because you're not coddled then. I don't want to be coddled by any means. And totally. <laughs> um, yeah, I just jumped in and it was actually my coach now that it was like two weeks or a month maybe into me doing CrossFit. And I went up to him and I just said, and I remember like hesitantly saying, oh, thank you so much like for letting me do this and for, you know, like not treating me weird or anything. And he said, Kim, I don't feel sorry for you. So we're (laughs) going to make this happen if this is what you want. And from that moment, I knew like I was in love with CrossFit. It was like, yeah, I don't want people to feel sorry for me. Yeah. So that's amazing. So do you typically have like the one go-to coach or the one go-to, we call them handlers in our sport, like go with you to these meets, these competitions? Um, My husband, you know, he's a, been a fitness guy forever. He's coached, he coaches hockey, he's coached weightlifting, he's done all that. He's been married to me forever. Like he knows me, he's got it. So when we went to Canada, he was my coach, my guide, my everything. And he knows how to and what to and how to do it all. And and at other competitions, my other coaches, if they're there, of course they're there and they're going to coach me and guide me and help me. But um, really, I'll, I'll take anyone that wants to hold my jump rope in between events. <laughs> yeah. But, but <laughs> no, for the most part at these things, at the big things, like my husband and I are going to ditch the kids and go to Miami alone for Waterpalooza. Oh, and so obviously he'll be my coach. The only problem that we have now faced is that I swim way better than my husband. So Uh, the swimming portions are still like my scariest, most, because he can't be my swimming guide. So who knows? (laughs) That's crazy. In a a previous episode, isn't that what Vanessa was talking about also, is the swimming, how scary it was for her? Yeah. The first time she had ever learned was in the ocean. I know. I'll be there in February, terrified of everybody else. Yes. Yeah, everyone's going to be terrified, but you're going to do it anyway. (laughs) Yeah. And And that's a big thing about CrossFit is just, it's all scary. So whatever. I probably won't drown. (laughs) (laughs) It's open water. What's the worst Mm -hmm. thing can happen? Yeah. (laughs) Can someone just have an air horn saying, come this direction? I don't (laughs) know. 
<laughs> hey, if you look at it in a positive way, there won't be any any barbells in your way or any um, right. plates in your way. I won't see the sharks coming. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> and what's what's uh, what date is that in Miami? Cause that's by me. I don't know. February twentieth, I think. Okay. So like second to last weekend. Oh, I should go down there. Yeah, last year it was early January, so I actually thought it passed already. So that's cool. And how does that work? Is there just a set of exercises, and they say this is what we're gonna do, and you train for the events? I don't know anything mm. about CrossFit. No, with CrossFit, it is the workouts could be anything. Sometimes they'll they'll release some of the workouts before you go. I haven't heard anything about Waterpalooza, but usually not. Um, like let's go with the wheel water games. We had a few workouts that we knew before we went. I don't remember which ones they were, but let's just say okay, we know that for one of the workouts you're gonna have to do 30 clean and jerks and then 15 pull-ups for time whoever's the fastest and but then there would be events where the 20 minutes before it started we all had to gather around and they said okay here's this new equipment that you've never seen before um you have five minutes to practice you have to do this this and this and then you have to do this and then lift this barbell as many times as you can and then jump over these walls and then do a bunch of burpees and then do that like for 20 minutes without stopping okay go <laughs> so, holy crap I or, had no or then it was you know we knew we were doing going into it i believe we knew we were doing the workout jerry which is a hero wad which those are workouts that are dedicated to fallen soldiers. So that's always very special Um, where we had to run a mile, then row 2000 meters and then run a mile. And then later that same day, we had to run with dumbbells and climb rope as many times as you could within a certain amount of minutes. And uh, so you just kind of, it is CrossFit has a not basic, but a, a kind of a number of different movements that are incorporated into things. But the idea between of CrossFit is that, you know, expect the unexpected. It could be anything. We ended <laughs> up freaking throwing baseballs for accuracy and as the blind person. So I promise you I came in last. <laughs> oh my God. I'm like, what? Really? You had to throw a baseball at what? Okay. Myself. So... <laughs> So you can, you never know. I joke around that's like, well, I wonder if they're going to add horseback riding or, you know, just, well, that's what I was going to ask too. Is like, do you just find yourself adapting as you go, especially if they give it to you five minutes in advance? Because me needing tools to lift, you know, like that scares the shit out of me, but it sounds so easy to you. Like, I'll just take it as it comes. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm always terrified. I mean, especially for me, it's not if somebody tells me, okay, the workout is 200 burpees, let's just say I'd be like, yes. Yeah, because that would mean I didn't have to move. It's the it's the things where it's like, okay, you have to jump rope and then come down off the platform and move these things and then come back and then find your barbell and then find its transitions that scare the shit out of me more than anything else it's not movement I'm right I'm comfortable once I'm doing what I'm supposed to do sure I'll do it all day you want me to do clean and jerks all day good just don't make me have to take 10 <laughs> steps over to the left 
<laughs> to find a kettlebell. You know, that's it's funny how my my stress is in a totally different place than yeah. the yeah. average athlete's. Uh, and place. so you can you can choose between standing adaptive and then seated adaptive, but then you can't be more specific. Like you can't say, I'd rather not travel 10 meters or whatever. I mean, if you're doing standing adaptive, is that assuming that whatever you're supposed to do is on your own or do they adjust per athlete? Like, um, I can have a guide. Yeah, okay. they they allow the visually impaired to have a guide. I mean, that that would truly be not unfair, but unfair if they're like, <laughs> okay, run one mile. So <laughs> yeah, but that's it. They don't change. Much. They don't change the workouts based on the disability. Yes and no. Things are constantly changing, especially because the adaptive sport is growing so much. Where in this last open, even we had enough athletes to have our own visually impaired slash deaf division. We are now the sensory division. So our workouts were more specific to our disability. And so as the sport grows, then yes, they're being able to adapt per per disability. But in when we go to Waterpalooza, I think all the standing athletes are together. So I'm not sure how it all works, but yeah, we all do the right. same thing. You just figure out what you're doing as you go along. And that's just part of it. I mean, it's in some ways no different than any sport. I mean, I've, I've always thought, well, just don't complain. Just do it. You're here to, you signed up. So whatever, figure it out. Right. <laughs> that's still so awesome. They've created a sensory division. Have I you know. seen how, how many at most have you seen in that division per well, event? We, it, it just started like this last yeah. um, season of the open. So it was just, it's so incredible to be a part of that, to be a part of that growth in, in the short year that I've even really been involved and to get to see it grow. So there was six women in our division, which I was the lone person in, in Canada. Wow. Um, and though it seemed, I believe now this is total rumor, but there is a chance that there is going to be enough women, uh, visually impaired women and deaf, that have accepted the invitation that we will have our own division at the Wheelwad Games this year. So that would it'd be incredible. It's just so uh, wonderful, and it's just to see to see it grow, to be a part of it, and to know that in the director and maker of Wheelwad, Chris Stoutenberg, that, I mean, he started all this and to see how many lives he's changed and changed my life. And it's just so cool. That is pretty amazing. And he started this how long ago? Do you know? Mm, I don't know. Eight years. Yeah. I think eight years. Yeah. Stouty. He's, he's the one that helped Vanessa as well. Yeah. They're like good friends. Wow. That's amazing. He's the godfather. (laughs) I'm, and so I'm sure excited. that's not even what he had in mind. I'm sure he couldn't even picture that's, all of that. I that's what I think about all the time. Like when he started this, and basically because he didn't give up on himself, you know, he started this because he wanted to continue and to be an athlete and and look what he's done. It's just grown into this international phenomenon of incredible athletes. 
And honestly, it's like you said, it's the power of the community. Because I'm sure he didn't didn't think of this. I'm sure other members were like, hey, what about me? What about my friend? Get us all. Yeah. And even like the 30 women now, the wheelwide wonder women, that we all text each other all the time. (laughs) You know, just making these communities that are in you know, around the world. It's it's amazing. That's so cool. I I want to be there. I want to witness that history in the yeah. making. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. And I'm hoping to do that. So I did Strongman, and we don't really um, have adaptive divisions much. It's kind of slowly growing, but there's mm-hmm. a few competitions here and there. But there's no, like, one voice or one resource or one community it's kind of a a scattered little bits and pieces here and there yeah crossfit is so big like i get jealous hearing you know (laughs) not just new divisions coming up but also certifications that they're they're having available for coaches so they know what to expect when coaching someone with a disability or someone who's blind yeah i feel like why being that we we're in California. It's like the, I don't know, the powerhouse of the disability awareness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why, all awareness. Why, I, I wonder why um, competitions like, I don't know, the California Classic, maybe they'll be next on board to get a, an adaptive division or, or something. So, it, but it's growing. And, and now, regardless of adaptive or not adaptive, I'm way more empowered. Like this year, I, I've done a few uh, partner competitions, but now I want to get the guts up to just go out and do a random local individual competition. I am putting it out there into the universe and scared (laughs) to death that I really want to do the uh, Olympic weightlifting competition, the rite of passage in November. That's my face, my biggest fears in life. Oh, my God. I will drive you there myself because I actually was a member of that gym, uh, SPS, mm-hmm. and I, you know, assist in, you know, getting that event together. And I know well, the gym owner very well. So well, that's I would love year. to see you even, you know, taking okay. a few Olympic weightlifting classes with them. Okay, fine. I I'll swear. Go. I'll do it. Uh, okay, 2020 is mean, looking shoot. a little packed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, you talked me into it. <laughs> See, I mean, I absolutely love powerlifting, but trying Olympic weightlifting for the first time and the idea of even throwing a bar over my head having just one hand, it blew me away. Like I can't wait to see more more of us yeah. in that sport. Yeah. Yeah, there's actually a, a lifter that I heard from another podcast, The Chocolate Bar. Her name is Brandy. Um, she has albinism. And so she has visual impairments because of that. She's an mm-hmm. Olympic weightlifter. She lifts with her eyes closed. And I'm like, oh. what? <laughs> like, when she said that, I was like, huh? Well, I can't even me, imagine yeah. throwing something over my head, but. Yeah, just... well, what's the difference? For me, exactly. it's like eyes open, eyes shut. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. Right. It's like, what's the difference? I might as well. For her, yeah. she has. Um, like other sensory, like her yes. other senses are also affected. So it's easier. Yes. She still sees, I believe, lights and shadows. I'm yeah. not sure exactly what you'd say. So it's just easier. But to like, that sounds, it sounds like it's impossible, but why, why would it be? Sometimes, honestly, it, it really boggles my own mind that 
honestly, I've never seen a clean and jerk or a snatch in my life. Right. So sometimes I think, but when I, when I do these things, it's very weird because it's almost like when I go to do anything, it's, but let's say a clean and jerk or a snatch, it's almost like I picture myself in front of myself. Like, I feel like I can see me even though I'm not seeing me at all. It's a very strange, different awareness. What's cool though, is it is like, you know, you stand in place for Olympic weightlifting and powerlifting. You don't need to take the bar 10 feet away from you. You do the clean jerk in place. Yes. The different, the, but what people also do not realize is when you cannot see, you have no sense of balance. So that's the, um, like catching the bar in the snatch or doing a snatch in general or overhead squats. It's all about this bizarre, uh, internal focus. I've come to picture it as, and obviously being a dancer in my past helps even understanding my core, my body, the weight in my heels and my toes, but it's not so... I guess is like, well, you can't see, but it doesn't matter. You can do a clean and jerk because there's always this weird element of finding a balance when you really don't have balance. Right. Yeah. Because your vision contributes to your balance. You have to be able to know where you are without looking and that's proprioception and that's great. Most people suck at that. So you have to be awesome at that off the bat. Mm-hmm. And then usually your vision helps you. Okay, my yeah. eyes are level with the ground. Okay, so I must be standing straight. You don't have that feedback. Right. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. by now you're you're definitely more hyper aware of your muscles and where where everything is, and your yeah. core is is much stronger than it was. And it's focusing on sound around me. And like I tell people, if we're just in the gym, I like to know where I am in the gym just to get a sense of my surroundings to get a like ground myself or else I do get this weird vomity dizzy not you know, feel that like like the ooh, roller coaster feel right so but, if you can't if you can't place even if you can't see where you are but you can't place yourself that you get vertigo basically yeah but a very That's light sense of it right a very light sense of vertigo so Going into these competitions, I mean, at my gym, I'm very comfortable, right? I like to be by the white rig. I like to be at this spot, blah, blah, blah. But when you go to a competition, it's like, okay, here, go. So it's definitely just a, um, well, it's more of a F it attitude and trust that it'll all, it'll all be fine. <laughs> yeah. And do you have any other issues with your other senses in general that are, you know, more sensitive, less sensitive or things that bother well, your eyes that affect yeah. your training? Yeah. Outdoors, it's worse because the brightness of the sun actually, even though I can't see, um, the sun is too bright. It like burns my eyes. That really hurts wow. my eyes. Um, I, I really prefer like an overcast type day. But um, uh, also, though, because of lupus, I have Raynaud's phenomenon. So I'm extremely sensitive to any kind of chill or cold or stress. And that affects my um, fingers where I get it looks like I have frostbite, feels like I have frostbite. So I lose uh I can't feel my fingers. So sometimes that, yeah, so that becomes an issue. And my feet, same with my feet. It affects my feet as well. 
But otherwise, I have super aware heightened hearing, and I can smell everything. And you know, and do you do you get the? Because with lupus, you could sometimes get sensitivity to sun, like your actual skin, also, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That that used to be way worse, and so I guess I'll just backtrack now. So when I was 22 or something like that, I. I honestly, it all happened overnight. I was at my grandmother's house. I was braiding her hair. She had hurt her shoulder. And all of a sudden I was like, whoa, grandma, my shoulder's killing me. What is this? Like sympathy pains. <laughs> and then the next day I couldn't move my arm at all. And I couldn't straighten my other elbow. And then it just went in this domino effect that I couldn't bend my knees. I couldn't walk on my feet because it felt like I was walking on hot coals all the time and um you know then you start going to doctors and I lost like 20 pounds in the matter of three weeks and um my hands started going like bad like they would turn black and then dead white all the way up to like my biceps and it was Terrible. I mean, honestly, I always that time in my life made being blind seem like no big deal. And at that point, I still had better vision than I do now. Um, and it was you go to so many doctors, they put you on all these drugs. I was put on chemo, I was put on nitroglycerin, I was put on, I don't know, endless prednisone, steroids, all these things that just made me way, way, way more sick. And I, I don't. I think sometimes like I wish I was exaggerating with how bad life was in those three, four years. But I also think like it was actually worse, but I am a natural optimist and I'm always like, (laughs) it's okay. And um, I couldn't step off of a curb without my knees buckling and I'd fall. And so I was still working as a choreographer at that time. And there went that. It was like my whole life, like dance at that point was my life and it was over. And um, so then I lived like that for a while and it was depressing. I don't think I'd say I was ever depressed because, you know, I, I've just never been that way. And um, then I, one day my husband and I went to the doctors and we left and the doctor said like that my liver was being affected. And I said, I can't, I just can't do this anymore. I can't live like this. I mean, not like I was going to go jump off a bridge, but I didn't know what I was going to do. And he was like, okay, let's figure it out. And honestly, he came to me the next day and said, you're going on a gluten-free diet. And I did. And I went off all the medications, which I had to go off of because they were killing my organs. And within five months or less, five months, I was running on the treadmill. And so then I'm normal. I mean, I couldn't go back to, I'm not normal, but I could move. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, my hands were still bad, but it was nothing. It was nothing compared to how I lived before, like waking up screaming in the middle of the night because I bent my knee. And so then I live. And then one day, four years ago now, I accidentally ate something with wheat in it. And I thought like, oh, this is going to suck. I'm going to 
I'm going to end up like in pain and have to detox. And no, within two weeks, I was in the hospital in total liver failure. And, and then that, and then that turned into a botched surgery, which turned into internal bleeding, which turned into all this terribleness and them basically telling, going out at one point and telling my husband, uh, we don't know if your wife's going to make it through this because they couldn't stop the bleeding. And anyway, so I, I did, obviously I lived through it, but spoiler alert. all of, yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> but, um, after, after that, I walked out of the hospital and I weighed like 85 pounds or something skeletally disgusting. Mm-hmm. And I was blind. Like there's nothing left. It was gone. And so it, that was my big turning point of now knowing like this is blind. Like before I could get away with visually impaired, but it was gone. Like everything was gone. And I think just the trauma, the blood loss. And so I was so devastated and defeated. But once again, you know, life kind of just goes on and you just keep on keeping on. But I was totally like skinny fat, like not. And I was had always been active. And then um, pretty much my husband realized that I needed something. And he talked to one of his friends and she picked me up one day and brought me to Orange Theory, which is like a cardio Oh, hit class. right camp kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I went there um, with her once a week for one year. And then a year into that, uh, he said, we're going to the CrossFit gym. And I cried and told him, no, I will not. I will. I can't see anything. How am I going to do that? And and then I did. And so there you are. Right. Yes. And and yes, I appreciate so much what I can do as a blind person. But I also very much appreciate what I can do because my body did not work for a very long time. And to now be able to even do box jumps and is is a gift. And I mean, I've gone into liver failure one other time since then. And I truly think like if I had just continued to listen to these doctors who I know they're trying to do their best and blah, blah, blah. But if I had just continued to listen to them and take their drugs and continue to poison myself with all their chemo and all their steroids and all this stuff all the time and kept eating gluten, I would right. they would have just said I died of lupus. Because why if I put a cracker in my mouth am I in the hospital with liver failure so so now I've been diagnosed as having autoimmune hepatitis but um you know I think I just have a shitty immune system is the answer (laughs) (laughs) yeah and so what, what are you doing now what medications if any are you taking definitely off of gluten those proteins can kill you um I try to Stay as natural as possible. If I have any kind of flare-ups, of course I have to take the crappy drugs. But I don't. I mean, is my doctor going to listen to this podcast? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I take I take the fifth. They need to, goddamn it. <laughs> <laughs> I still need a doctor, so I take everything he prescribes all the time. Follow all of his medical advice. Yes. Oh, gosh. Good yeah, time. but I'm with you, though, because um, it's something that Christy said. I don't know if you listened to her episode a while back, that no doctor is going to find the answer for you. And she's no. so right, because they are so 
stuck. And and I'm a physical therapist, so I'm on that side also. Like we are so yeah. stuck in an old way of thinking that nobody understands like somebody like you could have lupus. You know, mm-hmm. somebody that looks like me could have, you know, hypermobility and all these other issues. Like it you nobody has to look like they're already half dead and then you're like, Oh, oh, oh we should save them. Yes. <laughs> Like they well, want you to, to look like you're, you know, on your way out and then they just try to throw the world at you. Nobody sits down and says, how are you sleeping? What are you drinking? How are you eating? Yeah. How, you know, yeah. how how is your stress level? No, they just oh, say, oh, that uh, doesn't make a money. Yeah. No. Money. Medications. Oh, my make God. Money. Yes. I mean, that's the big like. So we go to my doctor and I'll, I really big into the like doTERRA essential oils I'm really big into clean eating I mean I'm not perfect but I certainly well I certainly won't put anything with gluten in my mouth um but I try to eat as well as possible all those stuff and yes stress levels the doctor never asks about that and I'll go into the doctors and the doctor will say are you taking all your medication and I go yes and then they say I can tell because your numbers are looking great and I go okay (laughs) see you in six months and he says just keep doing what you're doing and I go okay I will I'll just keep doing what I'm doing (laughs) and yes and why is that why are you know I almost I I did cry the second time that I went into liver failure and I got a new doctor and the doctor actually is pretty great but when the doctor actually examined me, I thought, like, my, my last doctor, the one that, like, actually even tried to, I believe, kill me, like, never <laughs> even touched my abdomen. How is right. that even possible that this, he would come in and say, like, oh, uh, so uh, what medications are you on? Like, aren't you the doctor? Like, what? <laughs> Did you read my chart, bro? Did I have to pay you extra to read it? What? <laughs> And I mean, now, so going forward, talk about a mind. It, I went to my doctor not that long ago and I was even going in complaining like, oh, I hate going to the doctor. So I just come down here. He tells me my liver looks good. And then I go home and it takes, you know, well, Mary Beth knows it takes like 40 minutes to get everywhere. And <laughs> <laughs> so um, we go and he says like, oh, yeah, I could see why maybe your this is having too much fat in your diet will elevate your liver levels because of the sphincterotomy. And I was like, the what? And he's like, the sphincterotomy that you that your last doctor did. And I was like, why have I never heard that word in my life? And so then me and my husband are pissed. And then my doctor's pissed that we found out that, no, I didn't actually almost die because of a botched liver biopsy I almost died because when my doctor went down into my gallbladder to see what was going on instead of realizing that it was my liver and pulling back out and saying like oh you know wrong tree he decided to do apparently what's called a sphincterotomy where they cut the sphincter that connects the bile into your small intestines and he cut it and he cut it wrong and I started bleeding out and wow and I never knew that until three years later isn't that just so I'm like they can do anything to you when you're under I mean don't even get me started we could be here all day (laughs) yeah but that's why I always want every appointment I have I get the records every time and I don't want I don't want the 
tidy patient version that says drink water come back to the ER now I want to know what he wrote I want to know every word because they'll write down oh well patient denied this patient said they don't do this and like you never asked me that we didn't talk about this Mm. yeah and then they'll say like and then people say, oh, well, why don't you sue them? And you're like, well, because they made me sign papers. I, like, signed my life away. And is that going to be worth it? And it'll never be worth it because then they will just turn around and say, like, well, you agreed and da, da, da. And yeah. is the mental part of it worth it at all? I mean, I've kind of gone through – and that time was obviously extremely traumatic for me. And I got a little – I hate – using the term PTSD, but I was scared to walk around the block after that for like six months. And my husband was afraid to let me out of his sight. And it just, it's not worth going through then dealing, facing these. Yeah, reopening that. Yeah. yeah. And but it's like, it's I can recommend, people, isn't that easy? And I can recommend which doctors not to go to, but. Yeah. <laughs> Doing people is not that easy. But what, no. what I'll do, what I will do definitely when I have trouble with these doctors is I'll file a grievance with the insurance so they could take them off. Yeah. That I do. That's yeah. easy. But suing people, that's that's like decades. That's years yeah. of your life. That's a lot of so, effort. Ain't nobody so, that. Yeah. So I have <laughs> learned. I am I am down a sphincter. I'm down Apparently. one sphincter. Good to know. (laughs) Jeez. And do you do anything, uh, you mentioned essential oils. Do you do anything like acupuncture or any other alternative medicine? Well, I am a massage therapist. So a lot of massage, a lot of chiropractic. My husband's a chiropractor. And oils, not so much um, acupuncture. I have had acupuncture that actually really Mm -hmm. helped, but um, not, not a regular thing. Right. I really think for me, just what honestly keeps me now, I feel super healthy is sweating so much and then drinking a lot of water and obviously just living a very active, healthy lifestyle. Agreed. Keeping, amazing. keeping the sweat pumping through. I, it's like really what makes a huge difference. Yeah. yeah. And, and like, this is, you know, 32 years after being diagnosed with uh, retinitis and then another 10, 15 for um, lupus and RA. But it's it's going to be a lifelong process like it is with yeah. other disabilities. Yeah. Um, and I love that you, you know, you talk about you talk about this process on Blind New World, which is a, a blog. And you recently wrote a blog pa- post about preparing yourself um, like you said, the cane travel, mobility, and braille lessons. But mm-hmm. is that like, what was that process like for you? Well, um, learning cane travel and braille, it was just part of what I did. You know, I didn't get to go out to PE when I was in school. I had to stay inside and learn braille. So it wasn't actually that exciting or fun or not totally embarrassing because you know then all the other kids are like eh, why is a blind girl and so but I obviously know the point of all of it I can use a cane I, I have a guide dog citrus she's amazing and knowing braille is wonderful a wonderful skill to have but that was just part of growing up that was part of my parents being good parents right like your kid's gonna go blind this is how it starts. I mean, do I think there's a lot of things that also could have been done? I've really thought 
about lately how, and maybe they do it now, but I was a kid and they didn't, but I really think that mental health for blindness, visual impairment, I, I think that should be addressed for kids mm-hmm. more. Like why was, I, mean, I was diagnosed, I was a kid, I was a, let's say seven-year-old, nine-year-old, 12-year-old, and you're yeah. constantly being told like, you're going to go blind. You're not going to be able to see anything. You're not going to be able to see this. You're not going to be able to say that. Like, it was sad. I mean, it's still sad. I still cry often. Like, I don't like it. I hate it, right? Like, who likes not being able to see their kids or not being able to see what everyone's laughing about? But there's acceptance and there is, you know, a lot of things. My life's great. So I have nothing truly to complain about, but it still is cruddy. And, but as a kid, I always think like, now I think, why wasn't, why didn't, why didn't I talk to the school counselor? Why wasn't that part of my IEP or part of the protocol? Like, why didn't anyone ever sit me down and say, how do you feel about what is happening to you? Can you tell a difference between your vision last year and this year instead of it just being charts on a, you know, an eye chart or things like that? I mean, and, and also not being like being kids should be told like, it's going to be okay. I was never told like, you're going to be fine. You know, there's this, there's that. Like it was always something in my mind of like, why, why i mean yeah what does this mean what's gonna happen yeah i just think that should be a bigger part now i think we're way more in tune with our feelings these days (laughs) and i think that should be a way bigger part of a kid that i mean it's like it's like being it's comparable i guess in some ways to like a cancer where you don't know what's gonna happen it's not it, it could happen tomorrow it could happen a year from now but somebody should ask kids you know okay this yes you're learning braille but this is why you're learning braille how do you feel about that because I knew like as I'm plugging away at this braille machine you have the sadness inside thinking like is this going to be my life or am I just you know what is it actually going to be definitely but but also like why take things away from you as a kid, like not letting you go out to enjoy recess with oh. other kids? Why couldn't you learn Braille with, like during your lessons where everyone else is learning? This That can go into a whole, you know, <laughs> back when I was a kid, and I know in this... My parents, I think, were they didn't know why people went blind. They still don't know. They have no idea what causes uh, the degenerative eye disease. And my parents, I know, were told that the rays of the sun would hurt me. And so I know my mom was just trying to be a good mother, but I was, like, kept in a bubble. Like, no, don't go outside. Everyone's going to the beach. You stay inside. You know, it wasn't. I wish so much and you can't change the past and your parents are truly just doing the best that they can. But I wish somebody would have said, you're not going to be able to see, let's go look at every beautiful sunset that Mm. we could find. And, um, I, I we could go into when yeah, yeah. Like, I mean that's not how they frame it. That's not how people they didn't, picture I, it. it Is your kid going to have a disability? Just you know, just try to set her up and mm-hmm. just leave her in that room and hope for the best. Like nobody yeah. is like she needs to still experience life. She's still living. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but you know they. 
you know, I, now that I have kids, you know, you realize the protective aspect. And I have now asked my dad since like, what did it feel like being told that your daughter was going to be blind? I mean, can you even imagine like yeah. having a doctor tell you, oh, you're a little blonde five-year-old's going to not be able to see anything and how crushing that must have been for my parents. But, you know, and in that case, there's that like aspect of, well, maybe we could stop it. You know, and I was always, I'd, I hated it so much when we'd go to the doctors and I know my parents are just being my parents because that's what they do. They want to protect you, but they're always asking the doctor, when's the cure? When's mm, the cure? When's the cure? We got to save her. Yeah. And okay. My family grew up Catholic and even I was brought to a healing and it was when, and I remember looking down that priest's arm, like the sleeve while he was trying to cure me. And I remember saying, God, if you cure me and prove them right, or that it, I was so mad. I thought like, you better not cure me. Cause that would mean <laughs> that you messed up, like that you messed up on me. You know, I didn't, it was always so, so anyway, when you'd go to the doctors and they're always asking about the cure, I'd always think like, there is no cure. Okay. Like, can we right. just move on? There's no cure. It's not happening. Not in my lifetime. Who knows? But can we move on to like better things? <laughs> yeah. And I'd, and I'd like to think that that's, you know, an old school way of thinking, but it's still happening now. Is there a cure for autism? Or, you know, like. Yeah, what's the like, one thing that caused it? It was great. Jesus and, Christ. That's and I, equalism in yeah, the flesh. So with my version of RP, most people, like 99% of them, it, RP is described as a tunnel vision where you lose your peripheral vision first and then you're left with a pinprick of central vision. Well, I lost my central vision first and now have like tiny bits of, you know, like shadowy contrast in my peripheral vision. So I was always the exact opposite anyway, which I thought was awesome in some ways because it made me like an anomaly and doctors thought it was amazing. And I got to be the RP poster child and super mm. awesome and got to hang out with famous people who were doing fundraisers. But on the other hand, I remember when I was in the doctors one time, I was probably like 12 and the doctor had, a, he's the best doctor in the country. We used to fly to Michigan to go see him. And he had his minions, you know, behind him that all wanted to look in my eyes and go, ooh, ah, ooh. And he would ask them, how many forms of RP are there right now? And they'd say, oh, there's 37 forms of retinitis pigmentosa. And my doctor said to them, and how many forms do you think we still have yet to find? And he, they said, I don't know, like 14. And my doctor said, not even close. There's probably hundreds. And in, in my thought process of being a pretty smart kid, I thought there's no cure because each one of those types would need its own cure. And being that I was this lucky one that was like, there was like four of us in the world <laughs> that they had found with this form of RP. It's like, they're not going to throw any money at that. That's not and the research is out there and they're making incredible um, progress in finding out things. And I think macular degeneration has a lot of possibility, glaucoma, but I don't, I don't, and I don't see it happening, but until regardless, until about a, 
hundred people are screaming from the the mountaintops that they are cured. I'm not signing right. up. And and regardless, I have things to do. I need to become like the first blind CrossFitter to get first place. There you go. <laughs> you ain't got. You don't have time to worry about that. Yeah, yeah. I can't be cured now. I have things to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, but I think that's also something to think about in terms of attaching to, oh, is there a cure, is there a cure, is there a cure, is that you're giving somebody else the power over how you're going to live your life, right? Because if you're just yeah. hanging on to like, oh, well, someone will cure me, or someone will save me, like, nah, fuck that, save yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe becomes... it doesn't have to be a cure to save yourself, just figure no. it out. It just becomes more of a mental thing of being able to accept what you're dealt and and go with it, run with it, do your best. It's, it's, we're all so different and we can all be so, you know, unique and awesome. We don't need to fix everything. We just need to learn how to work with it. Exactly. And, and you realize once you have um, accepted who you are and it gets a little cheesy, but you also then realize how amazing everybody else is. I mean, at my gym, everybody is so caring towards me and they don't treat me weird or anything like that they just treat me normal but they're so helpful they want to help they and you realize how kind people actually can be like yeah there's jerks out there but screw them you know you're surrounded by so many other great people I always say you know I can I I feel like I can see things that other people can't see just because I can't (laughs) see (laughs) Yeah. I can smell out the good ones. <laughs> yeah. You could sense their aura or something. I don't know. Yeah. Special powers you got going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so with that being said, do you think anybody, well, I mean, a visual impaired comparable to yours or anything in general, some resources that they should have is definitely something for mental health, right? Getting yeah. your Get your perspective right. Get your feeling about yourself right. Don't chase a yeah. cure. Live your life. Well, what yeah. else What else do you think somebody should be trying to find or what resources they should be tapping into? Oh, that are visually impaired? Oh, there's so yeah. much now. I mean, look, I can function on my telephone and do things so independently now with any Apple products. I mean, this can be my Apple product plug. They are amazing. Every Apple product has voiceover. So my phone reads everything to me. Audiobooks. I mean, I am constantly listening to books. You know, when I was a kid, I had to carry around these stupid 20 fat inch large print books are just so embarrassing and torturous. And now you can get everything on audio. I can, I have apps on my phone that can read currency. So I know what my money is. There's apps that can tell you colors. There's, there's just so much more out there. I, I do say blind kids these days don't know how good they have it. Yeah. Right? I mean, back in my day, we didn't have them <laughs> audio books. <laughs> so I think just not even, especially for parents of people, of kids with visual impairments, don't just go to your school district because unfortunately they don't have the money. They, so they still have the big fat books. You can go to the library now and get just normal large print books in normal people size, not embarrassing size. And you can get so much just over the 
internet. I mean, it's it's amazing the freedoms now. I mean, I have my Apple Watch, so now I can keep track of the time, no problem. It talks to me. So Apple. Any any yeah, anything applicable to somebody that wants to get into fitness with a visual impairment, whether it's CrossFit or something else? I think just be honest with yourself. Like don't and go for it. I mean, find if you need a partner to help you get into it, do it and just don't be shy. Go people want to help. I think that's what I have learned through all of my experience in the past few years is people want to help you succeed. Mm. Don't go in and be stubborn and say like, I can do it. I can see just fine, even though I can't see anything, you know, just, or, you know, if you love it, you can figure it out. That's the best advice I can give. And don't compare yourself to anybody else. I absolutely love your voice reenactments, by the way. (laughs) <laughs> you gotta you gotta get paid to do that <laughs> um, you should hear my but bedtime also, you mean, should hear my bedtime stories oh jeez uh, <laughs> can you call us up at um yeah. pacific time <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but i mean what i hear a lot too is just the amazing community you have at your gym you have to give a shout out to your gym yes you it is CrossFit Mayo, M-Y-O, not Mayo, as we all joke, <laughs> CrossFit Mayo, or CrossFit Mayo, and it is in South San Jose, California, and we have the best coaches, Taylor, Eric, and Blaine. They own the gym, they run the gym, they make everybody feel welcome and able and confident. I, not just me. I mean, I'm the solo. I am the adaptive athlete of our gym. You know, people say, "Oh, is there other adaptive?" Well, I guess we're all we're all adaptive in some way. But um, you know, their their skill sets are incredible. They each kind of have their with for me with them. I love each of their personalities because they're so different. So when one's description doesn't quite get through to me, maybe the next one will. And they they never they never cease to work well with me with anybody else. So I they're the best. CrossFit Miles the best, and the community there. And they're my best friends now. Every day I look forward to the, going to the gym. I go at 6.30 a.m. and people say, oh my goodness, oh my gosh. And I think, well, I get to hang out with my friends before I go to work. Mm -hmm. And it's the way to look at it. Yeah, we're just so lucky, especially my my women there. The ladies there are just, they're just so amazing. I could, they're just amazing. The whole community is great and they're always pushing forward and they're always encouraging. And, you know, the girls that can lift 300 pounds are just as supportive as the people that can lift no pounds and (laughs) everybody just is there for each other and proud of each other no matter no matter what and I I'm so blessed to have been introduced to that gym I I can't imagine my life now without them that's amazing we're gonna link all this in our episode notes is on top of your your blog um, because I think it's such an interesting read and this type of information really needs to get out there now uh, more yeah. <laughs> more and more people need to read about it but is there anything else that um, 
you'd like to, you know, shout out right now? Oh, no. I just, if anybody is adaptive and, um, and, you know, I, I even had to look up what adaptive meant. Like I said, I had to email and say, do I count? Does that, is that adaptive? Mm-hmm. And look, look into Wheelwad. It's that also has, and that's been incredibly life-changing for me, for so many people. If you're into fitness at all, I mean, even you girls, shoot, you might not do CrossFit. You could start doing CrossFit. Oh. I mean, and they, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> they even have a wheelwad strong competition once a year that's more powerlifting. And it's and that in itself has just been that's a shout out. Everybody should even just look at their Instagram page yeah, or support look at their website. Yeah. And and even that, I, you know, at these competitions, I think, look at all these people that are not adaptive, that are here supporting all of us and being genuinely happy to be a part of what we are doing. It's, it's amazing. It's, uh, it, yeah. So we'll want and anything, just keep, keep on moving. Definitely. I can't wait to also bring you over to our side. <laughs> I try out Olympic weightlifting. A few times. Yeah, <laughs> I I did just PR my deadlift finally. So. Oh, there you go. I saw that. Jeez, oh my gosh. I'm not so. I know. I've always thought like, oh, I could do a uh, a powerlifting competition. I think, oh, I'm so tiny. I mean, come on. Yeah, down. sure. I'm up. I'm up for anything. I'm up for at this point. You know, why not? Right. I'm going to do as much as I can. I yeah, if there's any competitions out there, you guys just let me know. <laughs> yeah. <sign> up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I know of um, some local strongman competitions coming up. I mean, I'm not, you know, a strongman athlete. That's Marcy over there. But that yeah. are for adaptive uh, seated and standing divisions. We need uh-huh. to get that more into powerlifting and more into Olympic weightlifting, but the conversation yeah. starts now. Work in yeah. progress. <laughs> but minutes. thank you so much, Kim, for joining us. Oh. We learned so much today. Thank you, girls, so much. It's been great. And let's totally get together. Definitely. Yeah. So love everything. Everything is awesome. You are awesome. We're all badasses. Yeah. And uh, Disabled Girls out. Thanks for listening to Disabled Girls Who Left. We appreciate all of your support and everyone who's taken the time to show us some love. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, or write a review of our channel. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Player FM, Google Podcasts, and more. You can also find us on Instagram, at Disabled Girls Who Left.